Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. LinkedIn Jobs uses knowledge of both hard and soft skills to match you with the people who fit your role the best. Post a job today at linkedin.com slash fool and get $50 off your first job post. It's Monday, August 12th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, the man from Florida. Dan Klein, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Notice I called you the man from Florida, not Florida man, because you're not Florida man. Yeah, there's a lot of you can only believe this happened in Florida stories. Yeah, and I'll tell you, a lot of them are true. <laughs> uh, we are going to talk restaurants. We're going to talk entertainment. Uh, let's start with a little earnings from Cisco Corporation. This is not Cisco Systems. Often confused. This is Cisco Corp. S Y S C O. Cisco Corp. Oh, I researched the '90s singer. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, global leader in the food service industry. Stock moving a little bit uh, higher today because fourth quarter profits came in higher than expected. Um, seems like a a pretty decent end to the fiscal year for Cisco Corp. It is. They're they're in the middle of a transformation. But this is sort of a meat and potatoes company. They they own brands. They deliver food service products, and you don't you haven't heard of most of the brands. So it's really an execution play, and they're in the middle of a pretty big transformation. And that's not like what you would see with like a retail store. Like you go in and it looks really different. It's changing how they operate behind the scenes. So putting more people in the field, um, making technology more at the key of what they're doing, going to the cloud. So they're they're in the period where they've sort of shed some of the Pain from that, uh, some of the layoffs, some of the cost of people leaving because their roles transitioned, and now you're starting to see some of the benefit hitting up against the headwind of trucking and distribution is getting more expensive in general, and that actually caused about a five percent increase in U.S. expenses. It's going to be interesting to see what the next couple of quarters looks like because, as you said, on the one hand, Cisco has gotten uh, you know some of the pain. Uh, of this transition behind them. And if you look at how this stock has performed, over the last five years, it's basically doubled, but it's basically flat for the last year. So that, I mean, that, I think that as much as anything speaks to sort of the, the investments that they've had to make. Um, but I, like, I'm. I'm rooting for him. I just don't know that I'm buying this stock today. I don't know that I'm buying the stock, but there's one thing I really like about it. So the overall restaurant industry has struggled a little bit, but it's it's picked up. But this company is so diversely spread across major chains, all the way down to single store independents. So if we have another trend, remember when fast casual was really hurting the sort of sit down, you know, like the Fridays level of casual restaurant was being hurt by Chipotle because it was cheaper and the food was better. They have exposure to both of those, so it doesn't really matter where you spend your food dollar, and they're still going to do well. I'm not saying this is an unassailable company, but this is a company the bottom is not going to fall out of. Well, yeah, and as you said, this is, I mean, in terms of the brands that they have, I mean, I just think of the the 18 wheelers that are branded Cisco Corporation, pulling up to a hotel, unloading anything from. Actual food to uh, sort of kitchen materials, appliances, etc. Uh, but as you said, I mean that that is the uh, both the blessing and the curse of Cisco Corp. Is they are so diversified, which is great. It spreads out their risk, and if they are able to execute at a high level. Then I think that rewards shareholders. Yeah, and they're getting smarter about their execution. So let's pretend you're 
you're, you run the kitchen at a Marriott and you buy food from them. They're making it much easier, so you go, oh my god, I need three new soup pans or ladles or whatever it is to be able to tack that stuff onto your order, and for them to have the behind-the-scenes logistics to make that happen efficiently. So this is one of those like company that looked at Amazon and went, what did they do right? Oh, they worked on every aspect of their supply chain, so they can now get most things to you in a day. Cisco was behind in that, and now they're catching up. We've been talking a lot lately about the entertainment industry. Uh, most recently, last week with Disney's earnings and the unveiling of the bundle, uh, the streaming bundle, um, and sticking with entertainment. As we speak, CBS and Viacom are <laughs> finalizing locked in a room, <laughs> locked in a room, reportedly finalizing their merger agreement, and the resulting company is going to combine. Everything that comes with CBS, along with Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, BET, just to name a few, along with Paramount Pictures, major movie studio. This isn't. This is, Let's put that in quotes, given their lineup. Well, I was going to say this isn't Disney buying 21st Century Fox, but in terms of entertainment, this is a pretty nice group of assets. It's a sort of aside from CBS, the network, which is still, I would say, an A an A plus property. It's a whole collection of second-tier properties coming together, and that does enhance their value. So, one of the random pieces I was just reading about, they own Pluto TV. Have you ever heard of Pluto TV? Not until you just said it. No. So, Pluto TV is like a sling, but it's free. <laughs> and it, it basically collects all of the stuff that's on the internet that's free. So, like, I've appeared on Cheddar. That's, you know, a financial news service. I know Jason Moser appears yeah. on there all the time. Well, you can get Cheddar on Pluto. You can get selections from different networks that make stuff available online. Well, they have 12 million subscribers. So, you say, well, CBS maybe has 5 million for CBS Interactive. Now they have this other thing that has 12 million, and all these little things. Comedy Central has subscribers, MTV has subscribers. As you sort of aggregate all these services, it becomes more popular. You know, but what I worry about here, and I think it's a big, big concern, is as we break away from traditional cable, and I think that's gonna take another eight, ten years before older people, you know, just are gone mostly. Are you gonna get the Disney bundle, the Netflix bundle? Are you also going to get the number three bundle? And you could argue that this is the number four bundle after Comcast. So it's really, it's better. They'll they'll fix some back end costs. They'll end what's been three years of intrigue. I've done about nine industry focus episodes on this since since 2016 when they started talking. Um, so it's good for that. But I don't see a ton of upside just because nothing they own is all that great. You mentioned Paramount. Paramount has the fading Transformers, the probably peaked Mission Impossible, though I've said that before and they've come and done better. How dare you bet against Tom Cruise? SpongeBob SquarePants, the live action Dora movie, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. These are not Star Wars. You know, they have a lot of third tier aged properties that they don't own theme parks. They don't have like it's it's really better. I guess it's it's better to own Shasta and RC Cola, but. Yeah. It is going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know, I was—I can't remember if I said this on Motley Fool Money or or just sort of in conversation last week with someone about. You look at Disney's bundle. The original timeline for the unveiling of Disney's bundle was about a year and a half ago. <laughs> you know, you go back four or five years. It's like yeah, like early 2018. This thing's coming out. They delayed it. In my opinion, it was the correct move. And I, it looks like they 
have it right in terms of being ready for launch. But just in terms of this whole landscape, I'm I've already moved past the Disney bundle to see. <laughs> I'm already looking forward to like great. What is Apple? What is the rollout of Apple Plus going to look like in 2020? What is the you know assuming they stick to the timeline? What is the rollout of NBC Universal's streaming app? To your point about CBS, yeah, I mean there is unlike music streaming where I think that actually is a zero sum game. If you have one music streaming service, I can't imagine you would pay for a second one. And but. Video streaming, yeah, it's easy to imagine people having multiple. To your point, how many multiple? Like, are you? I, I have all of them for the most part, but I consider that a, a hazard of work. In terms of, I, I think the average person is going to have somewhere between two and five. If you've totally cut the cord and you have a family of four, there's every reason to believe you might, for different age reasons, need different things. The Disney bundle. Pricing makes it incredibly attractive. I I was very on the fence about ESPN Plus. The second that bun and I, I dropped Hulu recently. The second that bundle is available, I will pay the extra money to have all three, even if it's only to watch a, a UFC once a year. Or it just becomes a great value. I think there's another shoe that's going to drop with CBS Viacom. This puts them in a position to buy Sony Pictures or Discover or. Uh, who knows? Stars, Lionsgate. I don't know what AMC. else is out there. AMC. They're gonna need more content. And if you look at the CBS audience, it's older. Uh, so Discover, in my opinion, is really the logical target. But they don't have very much. You know, I can't imagine anyone is paying for CBS uh, All Access unless there is an NFL reason for it, and they just don't live in the right market or something. Or they're a huge fan of the Twilight Zone. Yeah, or I mean, a few like the people who watch the Good Fight don't know how to work a streaming service. <laughs> so, let's move on. First, quick shout out to LinkedIn. Hiring is not as simple as putting an ad in the paper or posting to a job board. When you're juggling hiring with everything it takes to grow your business, it's important that you reach the right candidates at the right time. And that's where LinkedIn comes in. Over 600 million members visit LinkedIn to make connections, learn and grow as professionals, and discover new job opportunities. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post gets in front of people with the right hard skills and the right soft skills to meet your role requirements. Talking about things like collaboration, work ethic, adaptability, LinkedIn does the legwork to match you to the most qualified candidates, so you can focus on hiring the person who will transform your business. To get $50 off your first job post, go to linkedin.com slash fool. That's linkedin.com slash fool for $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Chick-fil-A is a private company. It is, however, also the third largest restaurant chain in the United States by sales. And today, Chick-fil-A is rolling out a new menu item, mac and cheese. I think this is noteworthy for two reasons. Because you and I were talking this morning, you were like, well, this is a private company. And it's like, yes, it is. What they have done on the sales front is very impressive. Um, also, they rarely shake up their menu. This is the first time in three years they've added something to their menu, and I can't believe it's not going to be a hit. For, like I, I, I would be stunned if six months from now it's like, yeah, we that didn't work. I think you get a strong benefit of the doubt when you're a company that has this level of love, and this is a very smart menu addition. If I had told you. 
that Chick-fil-A had mac and cheese and has had it for three years and you just never noticed, you would have believed me. Yes. So, so it's just it's a very logical addition. It also speaks to sort of increasing options for kids. Uh, so the mac and cheese is going to be a side dish for adults, but it's going to be a meal option for children. And we both have kids. I know my son went through a period where mac and cheese was one of like four foods he would eat, yeah. and he didn't like the chicken at Chick-fil-A, because it is a little, I don't want to say spicy as in hot, but it has a different sort of more bold taste than, say, like a chicken McNugget. So there were periods when, and maybe mac and cheese would have put Chick-fil-A back into our rotation. So I think it's a really smart move. So when I saw this story, I was reminded of the fact that a couple months back, McDonald's, uh, an independent group of franchisees, put together a letter to company management and basically said, your number one priority should be developing a premium chicken sandwich. And without mentioning Chick-fil-A, <laughs> it was 100% aimed at Chick-fil-A, because among other things, McDonald's are open on Sundays and Chick-fil-A is not. And there was very mixed reaction to that, because McDonald's has had premium chicken sandwiches. And I would argue that if if you have a family that was considering between McDonald's and Chick-fil-A, they are debating burgers and McDonald's food versus Chick-fil-A. They are not going to be appeased by McDonald's adding a chicken sandwich. Although, if it is a Sunday and Chick-fil-A is closed, <laughs> and uh, you know, I I don't think McDonald's needs to necessarily get as good a premium chicken sandwich. I just think they need to get close. Yeah, I, I, what I'd rather see with McDonald's, and I, they've gotten away from it, is they were never a Taco Bell. They were never a company that put out gimmicky, here's 20 new product launches a year. But they were always a company that you'd kind of be excited, like, oh, what's McDonald's doing? Like, there's a barbecue bacon burger? And now it's more like product lines that are designed to be like permanent menu additions. They've sort of lost some of that excitement of like, I'm going to go to McDonald's once a year to get a shamrock shake because it's only available at certain McDonald's for certain times. They still do that, but I, I don't know. I don't like the shamrock shake as much as I used to. <laughs> so uh, you used a phrase that I think um, Chick fil A has earned, and it is the benefit of the doubt. And it is, it is the fact that um, they rarely shake up their menu. And the fact that, you know, just to put some more numbers around this, they're third in the US in terms of restaurant chain sales. They're behind McDonald's and Starbucks. And they've got roughly one seventh the number of locations, one sixth, one seventh the number of locations in the US as both of those. And they're closed on Sundays. <laughs> and they're closed on Sundays, making you know, making it even more impressive that they've uh, been able to do what they have done. There's something to be said for doing something well. <laughs> like Chipotle is a prime example. Now, they bled off a lot of their goodwill unfairly, in my opinion, with their food safety scandal. That got blown up and people were afraid to go. But they almost took it to an extreme. They never added anything new. It was years and years and years. And when they did add things new, their their sausage did not go over well. I actually thought it was great, but it wasn't popular. And then they finally came out with queso, and it was a bomb. 
So you have to actively introduce products your customers don't like to sort of bleed off some of that goodwill. And I think with Chick-fil-A, they're not going to do that. Uh, I'll give you an example of how thoughtful a company they are. I was on a panel with one of their vice presidents, and we were talking about facial recognition. And he said, we could absolutely have the technology so when you walk into a Chick-fil-A, we know your order, what you got last time, and we greet you with, would you like a... And he said, and we're probably not going to do that, because people will find it you know, a little bit intrusive. They think really long and hard about what they're doing, and I bet they've tested mac and cheese for a year, maybe longer. There is no way this comes out, and it isn't what people hope it is. Well, and that's something that I've gotten increasingly interested in in the restaurant industry is, and I'm sure there are you know long form articles that I can go out there and find, and I I'm probably going to do that because. I'm interested in what goes into the testing of these things because you mentioned the uh, it was two years ago that Chipotle came out with their queso that they at the time this is September of 2017 at the time they said we've been testing this in Colorado we've been testing this in California and we're rolling it out nationwide and as you said it was a bomb so I look at that and I think well wait a minute what happened in Colorado and California? What kind of testing was going on? Or was it always going to happen that no matter the what feedback you got from customers, you considered the benefits, you know, you you sort of the you weighed the pros and the cons and you thought, "Nah, even if this bombs, it's worth it to us." So sometimes it's how you ask the question, and I will point out that Chipotle has a new CEO and has entirely revamped its product introduction. Yes. They have a test kitchen in New York. They have a, a sort of fan it out system um, that they're being very thoughtful. So this is kind of an old process we're damning. But if I hand you two quesos and say, "Which do you like better?" and you show me the one you like better. And you keep showing me that one you like better, but I never ask you, do you like it? <laughs> There's a lot of ways to frame a test that gives you the result you want, because maybe, and I don't know how this works at any given company, Maybe you're the head of new product development, and if you don't get a few things on the menu every year, there's going to be a new head of product development, <laughs> and nobody wants you to come back and keep saying, you know, it didn't work. And there are also going to be some products that that do test well, but then for whatever reason don't connect. And I think the queso's issue wasn't taste; it was that it doesn't look like the processed cheese queso that people expect, and that puts Chipotle up against a wall because they use only a certain level of product. So that's why they stayed away from it is they couldn't have that sort of artificial texture. That's kind of what people want. I honestly think they just should have said, here's what you expect. It doesn't meet our standards, but you've asked for it. So, just like we sell Coke, which isn't super healthy for you, we're going to sell queso and just make it, you know, neon. That's a great point. And I mean, you mentioned Coke. I, th- I believe that was product. Part of the issue with New Coke is when they were testing New Coke, they were only offering it to people in small samples. And in a very small, if you're only drinking like one or two ounces of it, it's a little sweeter than the original formula of Coke, you know that sort of thing. It's like, oh, it's great. But then once you give people a 12 ounce can, that's when they're like, I don't like this. this so, <laughs> so this is a chapter in, in in one of my books. I I covered the whole new Coke fiasco, and part of the issue as well was they did not tell you that 
if we launch this, we're going to get rid of Coke. <laughs> so, so if I said to you, "Hey, do you like mushroom pizza?" and you're like, "Yeah, I don't mind mushroom pizza. That's pretty good every now and then." And I said, "Okay, we got rid of pepperoni." <laughs> like, so that's sort of what happened with that one. Of course, you have to give credence to the conspiracy theory that the idea was that they were going to launch this new product, people would be outraged, and it would make the original formula more popular than ever, which most people say is an unintended consequence, but there is a whole camp that thinks that was the intention from the get-go. Wow, that sounds like an exhausting <laughs> way to try and make your existing product more popular. Dan Klein, always good talking to you. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on The Motley Fool, may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.